Hello and welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati, as always, and today I'm really excited to have one of my team members, Amanda Yee. Woo! Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda is a designer on the growth and product team here at Drift. We worked together for, for a few years now, and when we spun up the growth team here at Drift, she was the person that, that joined the growth team, and now she dual works on the growth design stuff and normal product design stuff. And today, we're going to talk about what is growth design and how is that different from product design? Like, where is it similar? Where is it different? Because this was a question that you had oh, when yeah. you first joined the team. <laughs> you, we we said like, hey, Amanda, why don't you join the join the growth team? And you're like, all right, well, how is this different from a, <laughs> from a growth design or a product design perspective? And you've been working on it for about a year now. And, mm-hmm. and so you have some thoughts to share. I do. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So uh, I want to give a quick uh, quick background on yourself and then we'll dive sure. in. Yeah. So I'm Amanda. I've been at Drift for about four years and I got my start in just doing website design and then I slowly started to move towards more pro- software product design and then did product design all throughout my Drift career. And recently I've been focused on learning about growth. So actually, like one of the things... When I first joined the growth team, I treated it exactly like product design and ran into a ton of problems. So then I realized, okay, they're not the same, but they're also pretty similar in some ways, but then they're not the same. So (laughs) we'll cover that in this podcast. Cool. So, okay. So let's, let's go through the, this mindset of, all right, you're jumping in. What were, what were some of the first things that you realized like, oh, I need to think, think about this differently. I would say data. Okay. (laughs) I feel like there wasn't a huge emphasis on data when I was doing product design for the other teams. And I think just generally across the board, quantitative data specifically has been like a weak point, at least in my career, but I think also in general, the general like product design profession, where we're really good at qualitative data and understanding it. But in terms of quantitative data, I had trouble like understanding it, understanding its impacts, even like reading the different types of charts and like mm-hmm. getting learnings from that as well. Right. And and also like what are the funnels in the first yeah, place? How do those funnel? things work? <laughs> what, what is the step-by-step of our product mm-hmm. and how should we think about that? Yeah. What does this mean? Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So so that was one big thing. You got yeah. like, all right, like I have to be way, way more data focused. How, how did you learn about like how to be a data focused designer? So I knew it wouldn't go away, right? It's always going to be there. <laughs> I'm here. I got to figure it <laughs> <Yeah>. out now. <laughs> so I actually land on you a lot. And I would actually ask you a lot of, so Lottie is my PM and I would always ask Lottie like, oh, how do you... How are you getting these numbers? Like, how are you reading these charts? So that way I could sort of absorb what he was saying and then also figure out like how I could read these charts and also like pull learnings from them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and like as you've developed your data skills on the growth side, how do you feel like you apply those back to your product team? Like when you're designing something for the core product team, Mm -hmm. how how does that transfer? I think it's like, I've definitely become more aware when I'm switching to like the product design mindset of are we tracking the right things? Are we impacting the right data point that we want to impact? Mm-hmm. It's an awareness thing for sure. Got it. Yeah. Right, like pushing on the team to or and yourself to mm-hmm. say like let me just validate that this thing is going to make a, a certain impact or Yeah. Got and also it. understanding the results too. Yeah. For sure. Okay, so so let's let's talk about results and the difference around the like the starting points and the win conditions 
between a growth design and a product design. Like mm-hmm. sometimes they're the same thing, but like what if you can pull it apart, there's two differences. One is like the the very beginning, which is the difference between like the job to be done versus the hypothesis and then the end of like how do we know if this thing worked or not. So, why don't we start with the beginning point, job to be done versus sure. hypothesis. Yeah, so I guess you've also like transitioned from product manager for product and then Growth manager, yeah. growth product yeah. manager, growth product, product manager, <laughs> yeah, so, comma growth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ha- you also have like an interesting perspective on this too. But I think the similarity between the jobs we done and the hypothesis is that they're both used like in the in your process, your design process, to sort of guide your work and guide your thinking and making sure like all your efforts are can be rolled up into that. But I'd say that the jobs we done. Which is the product side. Which is the product side. And the hypothesis, which is the growth side, are different in terms of, like, their, like how they're constructed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what, like, give an example of a hypothesis. If we remove steps in our onboarding flow, it can enable more people to activate within their first week, which will result in 5% more activated users each week yeah so that so the hypothesis is very like if we do this then this will happen which will result in x amount of stuff and i think the x amount is like the kpi that is unique to um to growth Mm -hmm. and then on the product side an alternative example would be what we were saying earlier which is like it's much more focused on like are you solving the thing yes or no it's like when I, you put yourself, the job to be done statement mm-hmm. is you put yourself in the customer's shoes and you say, when I am signing up for a chat product, I want to be able to easily install it via an integration on my website. So that I can talk to customers. Right. Yeah. Right, right. And then and then those those differences drive the when you design it, the team builds it, you ship it, and then you look back on it later. How do you think about the difference between like, all right, this design was successful in each of the contexts? Thinking about like the very end of a product after you ship it or experiment after you ship it, I'd say product design experience, it's more around like, okay, did we solve this customer problem? Are customers able to successfully go through this? Is it usable? Is it improving their experience? And then for growth design, like after you ship something, then it's like, okay, did we move our number? Did we learn something? Or you should always learn something. So it's more like, (laughs) what did we learn? Mm -hmm. And then after that, so for the growth design or just growth in general, like after you identify, okay, what are our learnings? You take that and apply it to your next experiments because you have another learning to build off of as well. I'd say for like product design, it's either like, okay, this worked, right? Like we solved our customer problem. What's next? Mm -hmm. And when you're going through your design process, does the iteration so, so you start with either the job to be done or the hypothesis, and then you start drawing stuff up on a whiteboard or a notebook, or you start making design files. Does the process look different when you're thinking about, is this thing ready to ship? When you're going from, 
all right, I'm gonna I'm ready to like hand this over to the engineering team and say like we're ready to build this thing. Does that process look different? Are there like more or less user interviews on one side versus the other? Like, how, does that change yeah. much? I don't think no. I don't think it changes that much. Just because you need to have like a baseline of of like okay, here is how you design, mm-hmm. right? Here's like you need some context, some customer interviews. Depending on how robust the experiment is for growth design, it's like do we test this or do we use our shipping as a way to test this Mm -hmm. and learn from it? But I think the main difference is it's sort of at the front in the mindset when you're scoping out the work and then also when you like kick off the work and then you figure out, okay, here's what we should ship. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's dig into that. Because I think that, I think this is interesting. (laughs) The scoping, how do you think about what is the furthest I can scope this down? Or like, should I make this thing the perfect experience? Like, does Mm -hmm. that differ when you think about it as like, all right, this is going to be a growth experiment. And like, I'm going to think about it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So I'll start with product design. So we have this, this framework called good, better, best, where you, you ship the good, you ship the better, you ship the best. And the way you, we figure out um, ways to like scope, what goes into each area of good, better, best. It's like, all right, good solves the customer problem at its core. It may not have all the bells and whistles. It may not have all the animations, but it solves it and it does a good job better. Like you build on top of it for growth in terms of sort of like figuring out scope. It's more about like, okay, what is the smallest thing that we can do to learn? Right. Because then you use that learning to build on top of it. And it's also sort of just like, if it's something brand new, it varies with experiments, but like if it's just like a quick test on like are customers interested in this, mm-hmm. then like you could just put a button and then see if people click that, which is what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does that make you feel as a designer where you, like do you feel like oh, I just wish that we do the whole yeah. thing? Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> There's like this internal conflict. Yeah, that was a huge struggle for me at the beginning of my uh, growth design transition for sure. I always just like wanted to solve it fully, but mm-hmm. then sort of had to tell myself like, pull it back, you know, Amanda, you just like, the goal is to learn here, you know, you can't like be wasting time. How do you, how do you, how do you balance that? Like uh, for other people that are either in like growth design roles or thinking about getting getting into like, how, how do you, how do you like get yourself through that mode? <laughs> <laughs> well, I leaned on my team a lot. <laughs> to sort of like pull me back but also I think just keeping the mentality of your goal is to learn at the forefront of your mind and I think that helps you sort of like if you have a maniacal focus on learning then you can block out all the other uh, like gadgets and animations and that sort of stuff. I want to change the topic a little bit to something that you had mentioned earlier, not in the podcast, but prior. Around roadmaps and like oh, designing yeah. with the future in mind. Mm-hmm. How does that differ between like a growth approach or product? So for the growth approach, I've found that you may have one theme and like one main goal, but like there isn't like a set way of how you're going to get there, right? What's an example of a theme or a th- goal? I think a theme would be like, we want tons of signups, yep, right? Yep. But there's no like, you may like plan, I think like, yeah, you may plan a lot or like have an idea of how you're going to get there. But in reality, like once you ship these experiments and then you take those learnings, those learnings can make you go like left or right, mm-hmm. up, down, diagonal, wherever. So like... 
that is what informs your next step. There is no like set roadmap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, where whereas product you you're designing with the context of, all right, we're going to solve this now mm-hmm. and then we're going to solve it more or we're yeah. going to solve this other thing after. Like you have a really good sense of what those steps are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that an added challenge? Like, is it harder <laughs> as a <laughs> designer? So. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not able to like future proof your designs as much, mm. right? You can't like design with as much scalability in mind. Yeah. How do you combat, how do you combat that? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's more like, Knowing that that's the case and being Mm -hmm. okay with it and then of like making sure you're not designing in a hole or like designing yourself into a box as well. Like now that you know that that's a possibility, making sure you're not putting yourself in a bad spot for the future. Yeah. Got it. That's it. (laughs) What else is interesting to talk about here? Yeah. But like something for for other growth designers or or people that are getting... Trying oh, to learn. Yeah. Or test to invest. Test to invest. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah, do yeah. That. let's talk about that. <laughs> okay, what's test okay. to invest? Test to invest. I'll tell you the history of it. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> when I was trying to apply the product design process to growth, we had these big things, big meetings called story time, and we slowly realized they were too heavy. And backing up again, story time is a way to sort of like set the stage and say like, okay, here's exactly what we're going to do. And it's going to be this really big thing. But we, what we realize is like, okay, yeah, that has like the hypothesis and the goal. But what you would come out of that meeting with was something too big where we had to chunk it down into something smaller that we could ship. So that's why we created this tiny little meeting. It's 15 minutes where we all just like sit around each other, like at our desks. And then our team just sort of like throws out ideas that we should test, and then t- based on the results, we decide to invest or not invest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so an example of this would be, we just released a video product, Drift Video, mm-hmm. and we wanted to know how many people who are in the Drift app, in their conversation view, where the conversations come in, uh, in the chat product, and you can answer you know, visitor questions and all that. We wanted to know how many of those people would go through a flow from that page where they record a video and send it to the visitor on the other side. And so there were two approaches, like a normal product approach would be do some research, learn that people either care about it or don't care about it. And likely that there's gonna be some people that like wanna do that. And so we can go through that whole process or the test to invest approach is, what what would that look like? Well, I guess it's like what we did was we put a button in there and then we're like, okay, let's see, is there intent here? Like, will people click this? Mm -hmm. And then making sure you're still providing a good experience, making sure the button actually like does something or like closes the loop in some way. And then, yeah, once we did that, we ran it for about a week. Yeah. Yeah. About a week. And then we saw the results. Yeah. And that for you was like a multi-hour design story versus Mm -hmm. if you were to design out that whole process of, uh, all right, you're going to click this, then you're going to sign in for the video product, and then you're going to take it, and then you're going to paste it, uh, right? That's a way bigger story. Do you think that that process could apply or, like, should apply to the product design process? Or do you think that it it is, like, very unique to growth? I think, yeah, I think it actually could apply in terms of sort of, like, identifying opportunities. And I think it depends on what stage your product is actually in, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if you're trying to uncover new features or just 
learn more about what people's intents are, then that then using test to invest to identify opportunities is a good tool for you to use. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Any anything else that we want to address around the question of like how is growth design different from product design? You feel like you you covered it. Any any other things that you, you like went <laughs> through like trying, yeah, in the think. past year that you you felt like oh yeah like I get it now or. There's a ton of resources online. I know that growthdesigners.co has been like super impactful for me. And like, there's like a ton of articles around there. Still a small community. That's why I think like sharing your learnings is super important. And then I would just say like, it's not as different as you might think. The basics are the same, but there are like small nuances that really create that divide. That's That's great. That's a good way to end it. All right, Amanda, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) For everyone listening, thank you as always. Really appreciate it. If you enjoy the podcast, I would super appreciate a positive review on your favorite podcast app. If you got any questions for me, ideas for episodes, feedback, questions for Amanda, feel free to reach out. My email is matt at drift.com and we will catch you on the next episode. Oh, and one more thing before I go, because you're a listener. So Drift has its hypergrowth conference coming up in San Francisco on November 18th. And this is 2019. So far this year, we've had one in London and Boston, and they've been an amazing time. If you're interested, you're going to get a discount code. So you can go to hypergrowth.drift.com and sign up with the code GROWTH99. So all capitals, GROWTH99 with no spaces. And if you happen to be listening to this at a future date, November 18th is already passed. No worries. If it is now 2020 and you're trying to come to the hypergrowth in 2020 or beyond, just send me an email to matt at drift.com and we'll figure something out for those hypergrowths if the GROWTH99 code doesn't work then. All right. Thanks so much.